0: This is the Straight Dope, episode 24. Three questions, two answers, and some other junk. When I woke up this morning, I had a couple questions, and I thought it would be easier to talk and give my perspective on than it would be to re- just reply to them, because they come up actually quite regularly. The first one is assessing wobble in tripods. I shoot a lot off tripods, I like standing and kneeling because in the vegetation and the rocks around here you tend to have to be up off the ground. When I assess that stuff, I don't want any wobble in my system when I'm dry firing or I'm setting it up. If if you have wobble in your system, then you probably don't want to waste the money sending rounds downrange to confirm that the hit percentage of a certain size is going to be bigger than you would expect. You need to figure out a way... To minimize the wobble, and there's been a bunch of talk and videos. I don't want to rehash some of that stuff because you can go to Frank's videos on YouTube. You can look at Kalen and Phil's discussions on tripod and stability. But there's essentially two ways to tackle, three ways to tackle it. Let let's address each one. When your rifle's clipped in at the balance point, you're mobile, you're adjustable, and the rifle. Potentially, is balanced on the tripod. So the tripod's taking a lot of the fundamental stuff away from the shooter and putting it into that system. The axis is reduced between the buttstock and the contact point, so you can get a little bit more vibration. And as a result, the group size tends to be a little bit larger, maybe uh, one-tenth larger at 100 yards or whatever you know, if you're going to scale it out that way. On the other hand, if a tenth is acceptable wobble, that's pretty much, that's pretty good. If it's clipped into a ball head or it's put on a tack table or on a bag, the test that you want to be able to do is put it at 100 or focus it in on something dry fire or, you know, pick an object that you can find that's very small and measure the wobble in the system. If the system has wobble, it's probably not acceptable I think the standards that people should be looking for is is at least underneath two-tenths wobble. If you've got more than that, either the tripod sucks, you're putting in too much input, or something else is wrong with the system, I don't think it's acceptable when you're just building a position under ideal conditions for there to ever be more than two-tenths wobble unless you're doing it offhand. But if there's any kind of support, you should not settle for more than two-tenths wobble, period. If there's some of that, you're outside and there's wind, and that's where extending that connection point to the, to the rest, uh, if you extend that forward, you're essentially lengthening that fulcrum, making the wobble less significant on the reticle. But you've got to hold up that rear end of the rifle, so you either have to have it clipped in, or you have to be bridged in a way that whatever it is that's holding the front of it allows you to effectively do that bridge technique that I talked about last night. You'll get less wobble, and it tends to shoot a little bit more accurately and dynamically, but you yourself have to be totally stable because you're taking on the rear stability factor, whereas at the balance point, you're not taking that on. You're you're kind of minimizing some of that vibration, but you're really assuming a part of the job when you slide that forward. Now, you can minimize the effect of wind, but... Depending on how your body's positioned, you could reintroduce that wobble. So again, you should not accept more than two-tenths wobble. If you throw something on a tack table or clip it in and there's more than four-tenths wobble, you're doing something wrong or the equipment that you have isn't suitable for the job. It doesn't matter how much it costs, which leads into the next question. A lot of people say, okay, okay, I heard you say that factory rifles are great, go for cheap equipment that works good, but... I'm considering products X, Y, and Z. And they're all really freaking expensive things. And it's like, man, I've tested a lot of very expensive equipment and either sold it or put it on a shelf because I didn't think it was worth the money. And justifying things by their price tags in this industry is not the first thing that you need to do. You need to figure out if it actually works. Some people have said, well, you know, I say, well, look, you know, Matt Alwyn shoots factory rifles and wins these matches. And at Hunter matches, the factory rifles tend to win the overall points in the first place over these very expensive custom rifles. So that should say something. And often the response is, yeah, but they could shoot with anything. And it's like, well, yeah, that's exactly what you're looking for. You're looking for, if you have skill and you're capable of driving your fundamentals consistently, if the product that you have is capable of the same level of precision, why would you spend more? I get that it's nice to own fancy things, it's nice to own other stuff, but if, if the question is purely, can I perform with this, based on the price, there are a lot of amazing factory rifles that can stand shoulder to shoulder with expensive ones. You need to figure out what... A good shooter is willing to put on the line first of all, and then look at the the accuracy and precision capabilities. Now, a lot of factory rifles are lighter, so it's hard to get um i I understand how somebody might argue against using it at competitions where the rifle weight w- was necessarily something that needed to be heavy, like if you need to have a twenty pound rifle, hard to find a factory rifle that that weighs tw- 20 pounds. Um you I don't know if if the rules allow you to add weight or not, you know, but that's such a niche application and there's so few shooters that do that. I don't think that's what people are asking about. I think that, you know, if 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 we say there's 12 million shooters out there and you're talking about, you know, like people that are super into the PRS is less than 300, right? Um that you know, they shoot a couple matches a year and then maybe 50 people shoot like 10 matches a year. That's a fraction of a single percent, right? Like a percent of a percent of people that are shooting. If, if you ask me, I want to see that the level of precision is there. And if your rifle shoots an inch with factory ammo, that, that's great. You can put a tuner on it if it's got a threaded barrel, and you can tune factory ammo to perfection i've been messing around with a couple different tuners and the principle of using those tuners is pretty cool you stick it on there and it adds weight that you can bring in and out you don't have to move it very much and you can take inch and a half factory ammo and tune it down to half inch with like you know 20 or 30 rounds and then you've got that accuracy and precision now you might not have the sds of hand loads but um those tuners basically bring whatever the ammo is and you can make sure that it's repeatably more accurate and consistent so then you need to learn how to control your inputs and outputs if the determining factor is being able to control your inputs and outputs it has nothing to do with money it has something to do with skill and that's what we all need to strive towards so it's not asking what products are gonna make you better because no products are going to make you better. You're going to make you better, and the sooner that we accept that we need to train with what we have, and bring our skill sets closer to the the outlets that we want, like until we accept that, nothing is going to make things better, right? No, no amount of money is going to do that. So, um, the I I was recently shooting with with a guy. And I'm not gonna say who it is or who he works for, but he was shooting a factory rifle. He shot a Springfield Waypoint 2020, and and that is a factory rifle that is it's not cheap. It's like a two thousand dollar rifle. But considering that that you know you could buy a five or six thousand dollar rifle, this and it had a carbon barrel. The thing shot a quarter inch with factory ammo. He's shooting burger ammo. And he did nothing to the rifle. He just pulled it out of the box, and it literally shot a quarter inch. He he, he was a pretty good shooter, but he shot a craft number that was, you know, like sub-two. I am really blown away by the capability of that rifle system. I don't know if it qualifies for whatever divisions or, or whatever, but in terms of factory rifles, um, that thing was shit hot at the hunter matches i've i've shot i've had the chance on multiple days to shoot the sig cross and that thing works very very good it's extremely light so you have to be able to control those inputs and outputs and 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 figure out with a couple shots like what it's going to do and how you're going to adjust but you know these rifles are pretty cheap Uh, but i've never just seen an out-of-the-box rifle, grab factory ammo and shoot a quarter-inch with no testing, no load whatever, and and, um, he proceeded to shoot very well all weekend with this rifle, and it was very, very consistent. It was lightweight, maneuverable, and I was was really impressed with this. Um, It has to do with the experience level of the shooter and understanding the inputs and outputs that they have on the system. Also, he was really receptive to... um, suggestions on how to change some of his fundamentals to improve his hip percentage at distance but you know again i think that you can just grab something and make it work and that that's not compromising anything it's not just because of the price tag does not mean you're compromising um and and we need to figure out a better way to share some of that info because if it's a weight factor then we need to talk about weights if it's a caliber factor, we need to talk about calibers, but the price tag does not justify how good a product is, nor does uh you know how nice somebody is in the industry that makes a product that may or may not work. I got a lot of stuff that I test out, and some of it just doesn't work, and the people that make it they might be nice people, but at the end of the day it's not usable in the field or it's not configured in a way that promotes repetitive consistent success and yet they may have the names and the notoriety and the and the media presence to justify selling a lot of things that don't really do anything to benefit the shooter um you know that that's hard and then there's other guys that make amazing products are great guys and and people that that i think are really leading the way like what one of those guys being tate streeter i think he's just a spectacular shooter he makes a great action he, he kind of walks the walk. Um, you know, some of those guys out there, they talk a little too much talk, but but he could back it up, and he could pretty much go to any style of shooting competition and do really good. He's a very nice guy, and he's and he, and he really does care about the shooting sports. I think, um, you know, th- there's guys like that, and then there's other people that, you know, aren't necessarily, you know, people that I would consider role models. Um you know doing stuff but but i guess the take home here is that it's not the price tag it's the product itself and what the product can do and after that you just got to run with it and work on your own fundamentals so to recap some of that find your acceptable wobble first don't even waste a single bullet if a bullet's like If it costs you a dollar to shoot around and you don't have a stable position that isn't moving at all, then it's probably not even worth wasting that dollar. Rebuild the position. Think about how to build that stable position. Can you build it quickly? Can you get the sight picture feedback that you need? And is the wobble reduced such a way that it's worth testing your recoil management and your trigger pull and your follow-through, or is it not? And if there's wobble more than two-tenths, It's not worth doing that. Rebuild it, reassess it, and try to find a way such that it's stable enough for you to justify taking the shot. At least that's the way I see it. It's not worth wasting money just validating that you're wobbly. Think about your equipment and what you can do to modify it so that it's more stable. Frank and I talked about messing with um, a more traditional ball head to see if we could get the stability of the Anvil 30, and people are already milling and drilling and refining some of these old school ball heads and anecdotally telling us that the stability is now comparable with the anvil and so a couple of folks are mailing them to me so i could use a trigger cam to film some of those stability tests myself because i want to see it firsthand but essentially what they've done is taken those ball heads flipped them upside down put an arc amount on the other on the bottom side that would normally attach to the tripod and then uh milling the stem out so that you could screw the stem or a reduced stem into the tripod but but the initial reports of of the things that people have been making now look pretty spectacular for a fraction of the price now the anvil is not available they got some new model coming out or something I don't know but they're very expensive and for half the price if you have some tools or if somebody could you know just make a bunch and sell them you know, For 200 bucks, you can get what essentially does the job of a $500 um, ball head shit. That's freaking awesome, especially if you have stuff sitting around that doesn't work good and you can repurpose it to do the job of providing more stability and maneuverability. I think that would be pretty cool. But because I haven't had a chance to test and play with that, I can't speak to it other than it sounds like those are some pretty cool and fun things that are coming out of some of that video and posts that Frank has done. If you ever find yourself saying, yeah, but they're so good, they could shoot well with anything, I think that's the wrong way to look at it. If somebody that has good fundamentals can shoot something, that means that thing shoots good in the first place, and you can't cover up bad fundamentals and get away with it for very long. So, What you want to do is expose what is the cheapest thing that provides the level of accuracy and shootability that allow you to work on your fundamentals so that you have a bar to climb up in terms of skill not hide underneath something that eventually isn't gonna, it's going to prevent your future progress don't don't hide underneath things that are going to prevent future progress especially when it has to do with points or scores because that's such a worthless unit of measure the unit of measure that we need to focus on are our craft numbers really It's a tangible, quantifiable metric that assesses your fundamentals and your ability to perform shots in a variety of positions accurately and precisely. That's the foundation on which everything else builds. So if you cover up some of that stuff or try to buy your way out of it, as soon as the game changes or the landscape shifts, you'll render yourself unable to adapt. Whereas if you just suck it up and focus on skill development, focus on those quantifiable metrics, and we provide a free platform at riflecraft.com. It's a free platform to assess and track your metrics. Those metrics are the basis for everything that you're going to do. And we can have detailed and specific conversations about how that applies towards future outlets. But if you can't provide a consistent, accurate, and precise level of shooting, whatever that is, even if it's 3 MOA. If you're consistently 3 MOA, we can talk about what you're able to do with that consistently and repeatably and reliably, but we need to know that. And then it also identifies the areas of weakness that you can work on and improve so that if you want it to be 2.5 MOA, 2.5 to 2 MOA, we can work towards that logically and in a structured way and not just throw our hands up in the air and say, well, you know, somebody could, but I can't, or I need this product or that product. And the answer probably is you don't need any of that stuff. You need what you already have, and you need to be thinking about what do you do well and what needs improvement and work on those areas of improvement logically and realistically. And that doesn't take a lot of shots. And a lot of that work can be done before you even take a shot by building a position and making sure that it's stable, making sure that you check your inputs and outputs, do the forward-back tap testing, and then take it to the range and validate on paper. Anyway, if you like this, share it, subscribe. Uh, If you go to riflecraft.com, you can get a subscription if you want to help support it financially. There are going to be a lot of perks coming as time goes on, to people that are subscribers. Uh, Specific podcasts, well, this podcast is going to continue as long as people are supporting it and the community keeps growing like it is. But the subcast, I've been recording specific episodes for that, but I'm not going to launch it until the actual module comes out for the subscribers. And then we'll have a series of episodes and things for people to work on and log and monitor that through that subcast at riflecraft.com. But I'm not going to stop this type of conversational podcast because I think none of us know the right answers, but in my gut I feel like talking about it and having people go out and trial and error improve is going to benefit the whole community because we can raise the bar, we can have more interesting competitions, more successful hunts, more creative opportunities down the road, and we can open the door towards real product development, not just everybody reinventing the same stupid thing over and over again and charging more. There are a lot of products that would be cool to see that are new and help shooters actually achieve bigger, better things than just doing the same thing kind of in in slightly different ways, which is obnoxious and it's frustrating because a lot of what's done now isn't really interesting in the first place. So let's come together, let's train, let's understand our shooting and our outlets, let's share that enthusiasm and in a positive way grow the community so that we can accumulate input on what we love and what's fun and what's challenging and then grow something out of that input so that we can come together and celebrate that we've actually grown as marksmen. So until next time, get out and practice, give me some feedback, and see you at the next time.